Aloha, thank you for pressing play. Welcome to the Eating Curve Balls for Breakfast podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Mahoy, and your biggest fan when it comes to hitting those curveballs that life, sports, or parenting can throw you right out of the park. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. All right. Good morning. It's uh, Stacey Mahoy. I'm here today with Gordon McClellan from Parenting Sports over in the UK. And um, it's in the afternoon where you're at, so you're just about ready to wrap up your day, and I'm just getting started here. So uh, if you hear the neighborhood rooster, don't be alarmed. You'll probably, you might hear that in the background because it's early morning here. But I am super excited to have you here. Thank you so much for your time. I know that uh, you're very busy as well, so I appreciate, your, I appreciate you being here. It's great to be here. Looking forward to it. So Gordon, like I said, CEO of Parent and Sport in the UK, and I was just uh, super excited to find an entire website dedicated to parents and, you know, providing them with information, resources, and things that can help them do a great job um, and just kind of make this youth sports experience a lot more fun and enjoyable for everyone. So why don't you give us a little bit of background as far as like your participation in sports or, you know, your history with it and why or how this website and what you do even came about? Yeah. So look, as a, uh, I guess as a young child, which feels like a, a long time ago now, uh, I was a reasonable sportsman. I, I played county cricket, which is, is like regional sports over here. Uh, I had an England under 19 rugby trial Um as an 18 year old and I played a few uh, rugby matches in our national leagues. Uh, I gave up at the age of 22, uh, became the youngest men's rugby coach in the, in the country. I have since worked with uh, elite 18 year olds, many of whom uh, in the rugby field have gone on and played premiership rugby in the UK and have played international rugby. I have then worked my way down the age groups and I have done a lot of work with under 13s and I'm currently doing some work with under seven. So in the, last, in the last sort of 15, 16 years, I've managed to uh, cover uh, the whole sporting experience from adult through the, uh, right the way down to six-year-olds. So uh, quite a unique, uh, I guess, a unique journey. Yes, for sure. So what, how did this website come about? Like, how did you get involved in it or what? what yeah, so it, yeah, it came about uh, through my own experiences with my own children. So um, very strange over here in the UK. I was sat with my three-year-old son in a sports hall, uh, playing on my phone, not really watching because I just wanted him to be running around. Uh, and I was approached by a scout of a football club, and he was uh, he was only three, um, which was quite bizarre. I was very excited because you think, isn't this brilliant? Because somebody's giving you good news about your child, which we're all happy to hear. Um, and it just got me uh, looking into the whole uh, environment around children's sport and the best way to go about it. Because I went home from, from that initial meeting to try and find out some information. You know, what do you do with a four-year-old? What do you do with a five-year-old? What do you do with a six-year-old? How do you handle lots of the different parts of the sports experience? Now, I knew some of it as, uh, as a coach and I, did, and I did have a sporting background. Um, but when I started to search the internet and, and looked at Google, all these topics were scattered everywhere. They were in different corners of the globe. They were hidden away in the back ends of websites. And the more I got speaking to parents uh, on the sides of pitches and got talking to them, the more I realized how poorly informed that they were, not because they were trying to do a bad job, um, 
you know, they were doing what they thought was best for their children, but they had no access to to really relevant material that they could relate to. So it was a it was a huge driving force to put everything in one place, uh, accessible to people of all levels of education and backgrounds, and 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 together find a way of of navigating uh, what is a really really uh, tough road and and a road that you can make huge mistakes. I I still make huge mistakes, and I know. And I read about this every day. I'm involved in it every day. And my goodness, I can still get it wrong. So, so from my point of view, if, if you can get it wrong and you know all the information, you know, what chance have people got who, who haven't been given any support whatsoever? Yeah, and I kind of feel the same way. It's like there's so much information out there on how to help the child perform as far as skills and drills. And, you know, there's a lot as, you, um, as your recent post that was just put up there mentioned like there's a lot on the mental aspect of the game and all of that. But I agree with you where there's very little, you know, specifically for parents and, you know, how do we navigate this, this journey and what do we do to really help our children grow into the very best and enjoy the experience so that they keep playing for a long time. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and we, and, and also Stacey, we've got to remember that parents still play the biggest role you know, I was talking to a group of, of coaches in Belfast last week and we were talking about this, that no matter what their influence is and what they do, the parental influence is still the biggest. Mm. So, so, so no matter how, how good the coaches think they may be doing their job, if the parents at home are doing the opposite or are not reinforcing some of those uh, positive messages or even, you know, dealing with some of the negative things that they see, the chances of them holistically growing as a person become more difficult. Yeah, for sure. I definitely have seen that. So, and I, and over the past few years, it's kind of what I've come to realize, like just how we choose to approach situations or how we choose to think about things as parents um, seem to definitely have a really big influence on the experience as a whole and kind of, you know, how our children respond to things or how they move forward through things or maybe not. (laughs) So I was going to ask you, like, what do you feel like your role is? What do you feel like a parent's role is in this whole journey and experience for their kids? Yeah, well, look, I think I always apologize whenever I talk anywhere, because one of the things I don't want people to ever think is that I'm not competitive. I don't want people, (laughs) I don't want people to ever think that, that I'm not interested in winning. Um, I don't want people to think that I'm one of the group that doesn't value competition because that is that is so not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's it's uh, it's getting things into perspective about what's important. And you know the work that uh, you know, Amanda Visek does. We always come back to this. You know that children play for fun, and they do. Now, how we define fun. You know, it is it, different. There's so many different meanings. That can be from throwing hot dogs to having dirty knees to playing with your friends. It, it can be any of those things. I think as a as a parent, what we have to do is make sure that the that the winning part is in some form of perspective. And I always joke with this that if you ask the children, you know, what do they value the most, winning would be well down the list. I can guarantee it's a top three for a parent. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I think just just I guess wanting to win, but having a real sense of perspective about how little importance it actually has in the grand scheme of things is a is a key one. 
So I have a question for you regarding when you were an athlete. Um, did you ever think about quitting? Uh, look, I, I ended up giving up a game that I was good at because I fundamentally didn't enjoy it. So my story is a, a very unique one. I loved soccer or what we would call soccer football here. Mm-hmm. Would I have been a particularly good footballer? Uh, no, I would have probably played in about League 20. Would I still have been playing today and enjoying scoring goals? Yes, I probably would have been. And instead, I gave up a game at 22 that I was quite good at. But by the time a few injuries hit and it became more about my choices, about you know what was, what was driving me from within, it was a very easy decision to say, do you know what, I've had enough of uh, playing this, I'll, mo- I'll move on to something else. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a, a really key one for parents is that although we can guide and we can, we can push our children towards certain things, in the end there'll come a point where it will become their decision. Mm-hmm. And we, we've just got to keep taking a step back no matter how good they are at, at one thing. Because actually if they're good at one thing, they'll probably be good at 10 things. We just haven't given them the the opportunity to do that because we get so caught up in oh we're quite good at that so that means we must do more of that and actually you know that that's the wrong way to go about it yeah I think that's pretty common is that you know we see our children succeeding in one thing and we're like well that's you know we should just do that and um I mean I even ran into that because one of my daughters you know I played softball so they my oldest three all played at least one season and um, our oldest loved it. So she played all the way through high school. The second one, I actually thought was a better athlete, a better potential to be a better softball player because of just her natural ability and her size and all these things. And like, oh, she's going to be the one that's like even better than the first one. And she had wanted nothing to do with it. And she was, you know, she's actually pretty good. And I'm like, oh, man, if she just put in the same kind of effort and all these things and uh, it just turns out that wasn't, you know, she wasn't playing. She just played because her friends were playing. And uh, once we got her into other sports that she actually wanted to do, it was like a complete night and day difference in her effort levels and her commitment levels. It was just crazy to see. Yeah. So, and that's where, and that's where we, we always come back to this, this early specialization topic, doesn't it? That keeps, that keeps cropping up because you know, when they're at a young age, unless they're involved in something like um, diving or gymnastics, you know, there's very little need for them to be specifically focusing on one thing from, from such a young age. Mm-hmm. And actually, you know, we should be encouraging them to play four, five, six different sports. And, you know, particularly now when the science is telling us that, that those with a multi-sport background you know, by the time they get into their mid-teens or late teens are starting to overtake some of these you know, early specialized peers, you know, we're calling on parents to be a bit bolder and and say to them, look, it's not a short-term gain this, you know, sport is a a long-term development, you know, even into the twenties, we've got athletes who come out, come out the other end and we're in such a rush today's society to be brilliant from the age of eight, nine and 10. And And we've got to try and find ways of saying, no, don't panic, relax. Okay, there might be somebody better than you, but that's okay as well because in six years' time, you may be better than them. You know, it, it, you know if, a, if a child now is doing 30 hours a week of one sport or something ridiculous, or let's say 10 to be more realistic and somebody's doing three, 
you would hope if that was two eight-year-olds, the person doing 10 would be better than the other one. Mm-hmm. But, 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 it, but it doesn't mean that they necessarily will be, you know, five years, six years down the line. Right. Yeah, for sure. So I, uh, so I mentioned earlier this article um, regarding the one thing all parents and coaches should know. And as you, we got to chat a tiny bit before we started, um, it is a rather complicated article to describe. So for those who <laughs> want to look it up, it's uh, Parents in Sport. Let's see, what is, the, what is the URL for your website? Uh, parentsinsport.co.uk co.uk and the title is one thing all parents and coaches should know what's the name of the athlete that's in this Loris yeah Loris Karius so Loris Karius was the goalkeeper last week who in the Champions League final uh, had an absolute nightmare I was actually in Kiev watching the game as well I'm a Liverpool supporter so I was there watching and the Liverpool goalkeeper made two of the biggest mistakes on such a huge uh, global stage. And, it, and, it, and that article was contributed to us by an ex-professional golfer who is not a sports psychologist, but just somebody who has taken a real interest in, you know, what's important and what we can and can't control, either as parents, coaches or athletes. So it's, a, it's an interesting read. It definitely is because I'm huge on like, being aware for myself of how I'm choosing to perceive a situation or if I'm really feeling frustrated about something, it's like, okay, well, what am I thinking about this? That's, you know, how can I maybe think about it differently so that I'm not feeling just caught up in this frustration or upset about it. Um, And so I thought it was really interesting because the article talks about how every athlete can think of a time when they weren't feeling the greatest or they weren't necessarily on top of their game or they weren't the calmest and they still perform they got a good result and how every athlete can think of a time when they were feeling great and they were feeling calm and confident. All these things were right mentally, but then they still didn't perform for whatever reason. So I brought up some interesting questions about this theory of, right? Like if you control your thoughts and the way that you're feeling and all this stuff, then you'll perform well. Um, So that was interesting to see in that. But what I love most about it was what he said as far as like what there is to do after maybe your child has made this huge mistake or someone on your team has had a rough game and and they're maybe feeling upset about it or people were commenting that he's gonna you know lose sleep over it or just always remember this forever and so on and so forth so um i was curious because it was talking about how you know there's really nothing to do except love this person and and just support them basically you know and surround them with that and let them process through it so I was curious to see what your thoughts were on you know that yeah well he I mean that was quite a good piece of writing from him because when we first spoke about doing the topic he said it'll be very short because the answer is love him and he was going to say he was going to send me he was going to send me a two-word blog and and I said look I don't think we could put that out there we can't short change short change our video uh, v- uh, visitors to the site look I think um, I think the important thing there is at the end of the day it's a game of sport uh, I think the love the love them for for who they are is still the most important mm-hmm. I think as parents we can get caught up in the um, the whole winning losing the the here and now when it's gone wrong and we look to make excuses for our children 
we maybe feel embarrassed ourselves by by what our children are doing uh, that puts us under pressure it makes us slightly more stressed and actually what it's saying is that if we're content as people as parents and we value the sporting experience for what it is that our children are having fun and and this is the crucial one that we don't define ourselves on the success of our children then it allows us to take a deep breath step back and 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 put the whole thing into perspective you know because being perfectly honest okay on a saturday or sunday one work match day and we've lost a game and it feels like the end of the world and we get to Tuesday and actually, do you know what? That was a little under 11 football game that involved 12 people that the rest of the world don't know about. <laughs> it, it, it sort of makes you then think, well, really, why was I quite so worked up in the first place? Mm-hmm. Having said that, uh, one of the difficult things still is, is controlling um, human emotion and I spoke to somebody else on a on a similar field today about that about that very article and they said that if we're content as adults and we're content with who we are and our inner being is in a good place yeah. they think that our behaviors around our child sporting experience would improve anyway so they were saying that it wasn't just about the resources that we provide and the talks that we maybe give to parents but is there something that we can do to improve their their own sort of well-being before they even start and then we might see some ch- changes in attitude and behavior it's yeah. a, it's a it's a very different viewpoint it's very unique it's not it's not you know it's not out there you know particularly but there's a few people beginning to um beginning to cotton on to it and i think that there's some research beginning to show that, that there's something in it yeah, I definitely would have to. I definitely would have to. I 100% agree with that. I feel like my one of my biggest jobs every single day is to check on how I'm feeling. What am I? What are my? You know how that well-being, like inside and out. And um, I find that for me, at least, the better things are you know, taking care of there, like everything else is just kind of flows so much easier from there. It's just you, it changes how you interact, it changes how you respond to things. And um, I think that's exactly <laughs> spot on. So I'm really excited that, you know, other people you're talking to feel the same way as well. But, but also, I think, you know, because what, what people don't see is the uh, from the sports parents perspective, or coaches, when they criticize parents, or people that criticize sports parents, is that some of that behavior, actually probably has nothing to do with with what's going on in the in the game itself it's probably more to do with the fact that they've had a horrible week at work they probably haven't got much money left they've driven at 100 miles an hour to get the child to their experience and when it doesn't quite go how they think it should you know normal human emotion kicks in and, and that's how people do react when they're stressed so i you know it's trying to arrive at these these trainings or these matches in a in a place where you see it for what it is in, in that, that point here and now. So I found it interesting earlier, you talked about um, clarifying that you do love, uh, it's not that you, you know, don't love competition or you know, you're not competitive. Um, because I find that when I talk about you know, being respectful or carrying yourself in that manner as a coach or a parent, people seem to think that winning doesn't matter or like, I don't, 
I mean, I don't value the competition side or high standards. They seem to think that, oh, that means you're not setting high standards. It means you're not holding kids accountable. So do you find that tends to be some of the response when you talk about some of these things that people feel like you're just like dumbing down the game or watering down the competition side of it? Yeah, look, I think it's I think it's how you you put across this information. Look, let's get one thing clear that you know winning is important. You know, ch- children do have to learn about winning and losing. Uh, there's nothing wrong with competition. The world's competitive. You know, you go out into the job market now. The world is competitive. There's nothing wrong with competition. But but what we've got to do, I think, when it comes to the sport, is just make sure that the whole emphasis isn't on winning. If we can. Uh, encourage some of the uh, character and life skills that will actually stand our children in good stead whether they're playing sport or whether they're doing lots of other things and our focus can be on celebrating the good bits of that Mm -hmm. then we've got far more chance of producing decent people at the end and actually decent people will make decent sportsmen and women as well and I think parents have just got to if we can just wind back from the winning and say, well, actually, do you know what? How much effort did they put in today? That's something that we can control. You know, uh, did they bounce up when they were hurt and continue? You know, did they show some resilience? You know, when, when the game got tough, did they stick in there and show a bit of, uh, bit of grit and determination? You know, all these character traits will then move away from the sports field and actually stand them in good stead you know, outside of the game. And, and if we can celebrate those things as parents, because the reality is we can't control the outcome of a game. Well, you know, neither, neither can professional sportsmen and women. You know, they can do everything to, to influence the game, but they can't actually control a set of circumstances or an outcome. So it's really important that we praise the, praise the right things. And, you know, could we, could we ask our children, for example, to pack their bag or clean their boots? Now, you know, you'll get lots of people who do that for them. Well, actually, we're not saying seven-year-olds should be, or eight-year-olds should be packing the bags. But what we're saying is, why don't you let your children have a go at doing it, and then you check it on the way out? And right. if we're bringing in some of these traits like self-organization and independence, it's only going to make them a better person. And I think if we can just change our focus off winning and what happens on, on, the, on the weekend to, to more celebrating lots of these little processes that will end up achieving outcomes anyway. This is, what, this is what people have got to understand is that if you get all these processes right, you'll win loads anyway. So actually one, one serves the purpose of the other if you still don't believe the winning argument. Yeah, that's, yeah for sure. And I think that um, you brought up an interesting point on why not let them have a chance at it? So a lot of people seem to think that either the parent's going to do everything for the child or the child has to do it all on their own without any help. And it's like, well, even that's a process. You know, there's a lot of things that our kids learn where we're doing it for them at first and then we're doing it with them or we're inviting them to try to do more and more of it as they're more and more capable. And over time, they eventually can do it on their own. But we seem to forget that whole process and we think there's only either the end or the beginning. And, um, it's like there's so much more going on than just one or the other. So I and love also, look, look, it's tough as a parent, Stacey. You'll know this. It's tough watching your child fail. Yeah. But actually, in order to learn and grow, you have to put them in a position to fail, whether that be as a, as a coaching community or whether that be a parent. And, and it's one of the toughest things to watch ever. It's an awful feeling. You feel sick. You feel like you want to jump in and help. 
you know, and, and actually so much learning takes place during those moments if parents and coaches handle it in the right way. Mm-hmm. So what, so that's the other part of it because some people will be like, yeah, you got to let them fail. But then when kids fail, then they respond as if it's not okay. So, you know, we tell them this, like, failure is a part of the game and you need to make mistakes to learn. And yet when they do that, then our, our response indicates that that's a problem instead of a step in the journey. So how do you, okay, so if when your child is, you know, had a, made a mistake, so two questions, and then we can wrap up. Yeah. One question is regarding how you respond or how you would like to respond when your child makes a mistake and they're feeling upset about it and so on. And the other question is in regards to what do you feel is a good approach when you see that your child isn't putting forth an effort, right? Because a lot of people are like, well, I don't get on them for mistakes, but if they're not trying, then yada, yada, yada. And you, and you were talking about, you know, praising the right thing. So one is how do you want to approach it? Maybe not how you do it all the time, but what's your goal as far as like how you would like to approach it when your child made a mistake and they're upset about that. And then the other one is, what do you do when you see that your child for whatever reason is not focused or not putting forth that effort or, you know, that sort of thing? Yeah. I think, look, I think the first one, um, I, I've now got to the stage where what I've decided is that we can't change the, the, that moment. And so actually we've got to a stage now where I'm watching and I've actually removed myself well away from it. And I just stand and watch and, uh, it gives you time to reflect. You know, the reality is in lots of these uh, youth sporting experiences, they're going to make millions of mistakes. You know, the more we yell at, at the mistake and more, it's just going to make the situation worse. So I try to give myself a bit of room. I don't, I don't get involved. And then the key to it afterwards is that, that I always ask my children what they made of the game. And I always ask them questions that allows them to reflect. You know, what, what did you think you did well? What do you think you, you maybe did not so well? What, what do you think you might do this week to make it better? Questions that give them ownership of the experience. So, right, and, and, and also as parents, that just because they give you an answer isn't an excuse for you to impart your, your world of knowledge for the next 20 <laughs> minutes, you, you know, when you set off, because that's easy to do as well. So, look, we, we've gone down that line. It, it, it's worked quite well for, for us in terms, of, in terms of dealing with stuff. And also that once you realise that mistakes are a part of it, you just accept them for what they are. You accept them that it's all just part of learning. And it, it's, it's actually quite a nice attitude to have. You know, no, nobody judge, nobody's, and also nobody's watching your child. I think a lot of parents, when they see the child make a mistake, they're so actually what they're doing is watching their own child. They probably haven't even noticed it really. I mean, the, the, they'll have spotted it, but they'll soon be on to the next thing or the next thing their child's doing. And I, I think we've just got to, um, you know, just, just distance ourselves a little bit from the mistake and, and see it for what it is. Going back to the other one, the effort one's trickier because one thing you can control. And I think one thing as parents, we, we, after we've committed all this time, and we've taken our children is we expect to see some effort. The reality is children don't necessarily buy into what we want to see. You know, if they've had a difficult week at school or they're tired because they've had a few late nights or the family have been out at the weekend and it's a couple of days later, sometimes they just don't want to do it. 
they, 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 they just don't want to do it. And mm. I think the best one on the effort is, look, if you get an odd session where you have a drop in effort, I would just leave it alone. I would just take it for what it is, one of those things, poor session. Mm-hmm. If it starts becoming more frequent, you know, three out of four sessions, I think you've got to look at, is your child actually enjoying mm-hmm. the experience? And then if it just becomes a blatant, really not that bothered and down tools, we're probably at the stage where we, we, we maybe should be looking to explore explore something else because they're all going to have bad sessions. They're all going to have days where they don't put in the effort that we perceive that that they should be. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I say, I think, I think it's best to ignore unless it becomes frequent. Then I think you need to talk to your child about the experience, whether they're enjoying it. If it really becomes frequent, I think there may be better, better options. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I, I agree 100% with that. So, um, I mean, they're just like us, right? Sometimes we have a bad day or we're stressed out about something and our, our own efforts as a parent are just not there either. So do professional sportsmen and women. Right. They don't, they don't operate at the same level every day. Yeah. You know, so if it's good enough for them to have off days and bad days and not quite quite do it, then it should be good enough for a, a young child learning, uh, you know, learning to enjoy a game. For sure. So anything else that you want parents to hear today before we wrap it up? No, we'd just like we, we'd like to hear from as many uh, parents around the world as possible. Please visit our site, uh, parentsinsport.co.uk. Uh, we're also on Facebook and Twitter at WWPIS. Uh, there's lots of content on there, lots of thought-provoking articles. Maybe there's something that you're unsure about. Please send us an email. Uh, and as I say, we'd just like to hear from as many people as possible. Perfect. Awesome. So one last question before we go, because because this podcast is called Eating Curveballs for Breakfast, um, basically I like to ask the guests what, about a recent or just a curveball that life has thrown you or maybe sport has thrown you or maybe parenting has thrown you that's stands out in your mind like something that's happened that you've learned something from or just uh threw you for a loop for a bit yeah look i'll I'll tell you what it's not it's not recent but it was one of the big reasons that we set up the site so i take my son to a football session Mm -hmm. i hadn't been seeing for three weeks because i'd been working really hard so for me it was the highlight of the month couldn't wait really excited drove him half an hour to the football session was it the highlight of his month? No. Did he care that I hadn't seen him for three weeks? No. And we were in an environment where the children were 50 metres away. It was a football academy environment in the UK, and we weren't allowed to speak. And my son spent most of his game on the floor, not putting in that perceived effort that we've talked about. <laughs> it was the highlight of my three weeks and for the next hour and a half, unable to say anything or even gesticulate any kind of body language, it just got worse and worse. Well, you can imagine what it was like when we got back to the car. It was awful. And, and my conduct, my behavior, absolutely awful. And do you know what? At that point, you then realized, oh, my God, this is a six-year-old. Oh, my God, what am I actually doing with this? And it, it, it was a huge driving point to why we actually set up to try and just get parents just to think about where this experience actually lies in the grand scheme of things. And can we change behaviours just a little 
because for every little behavior change we can make, we can have a huge impact on every child that we come across. Yeah, I love that so much. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. It's been great talking to you. And I look forward to staying connected and sharing more articles from your website as well. So thank you so much for, for being here today. I appreciate it. Thanks, Stacey. Really enjoyed it.